0: Exit for Podcast is brought to you by the Cage Club Network. For all things comics, movies, media, music, and more, check out the Cage Club Network. That's cageclub.me.
1: this is marvel uk on all new all different uncanny x's for podcast where we examine the uncanny x-men comic book franchise as it begins its multi-title 1980s expansion i'm your host kevo and i'm nico
0: and man do we hope you survive the experience it's actually been quite a while since we've had captain britain here on x's for podcast kevo we've been doing so much work over on html talk a little bit about that
1: well we just wrapped up a major project well Wrapped up is uh, not quite the right phraseology. I don't think the MCU is going anywhere anytime soon, but we just hit the landmark that we have been aiming towards since December with HTML, that being Avengers Endgame, and we are currently in the middle of a project called phoenix.html, where we take a lot of what we learned from here on X's for Podcast about the Dark Phoenix and see how the many different film and television adaptations have handled the character. So far, it hasn't been great.
0: It has been a rough ride, especially for a giant Gene fanatic like myself. And what's even more interesting is, for as much as we've discussed how many times Gene Grey has been adapted at this point, I'm realizing how little we've actually discussed Captain Britain. Captain Britain showed up in the fourth episode back in November, the sixth episode in December, our ninth episode in January, and then he appeared in a two-part Marvel team-up story In our tenth episode where we covered a number of stories that just didn't really fit anywhere else i kind of feel like it's easy to forget that captain britain is even part of this show at this point kevo i think you might actually have more non-captain britain appearances at this point than captain britain appearances do i really it's getting close if it's not already there one of the things that's really difficult with this project is sometimes trying to figure out exactly how to balance all of the pieces of it as it comes together Captain Britain at this point makes no connection to the Uncanny X-Men comic book franchise with the exception of perhaps Chris Claremont having created Captain Britain and being the lead architect on Uncanny X-Men for 15 years. Eventually, they will go on to cross over a number of times. That said, we're still not
1: there yet. I still really enjoy this project and the fact that we are looking at a character who is going to be so influential in so many ways on the Marvel Universe and on the X-Men as a franchise without even knowing at the time that that's where the story was going to end up. That also being said, we are certainly working our way through some very meandering years, and this arc is no exception whatsoever. We haven't covered Captain Britain in a really long time, and frankly we're not really very much covering Captain Britain in this arc either. This is a very frustrating arc for Captain Britain fans, even if you loved him from the beginning.
0: It's so great that you bring up that there is still a breadth of time before we can get to where Captain Britain is a full-fledged member of the Marvel Universe in the ways that are reflected in the comics that we're going to be discussing. Captain Britain's pre-Excalibur days break down to about a thousand pages collected across three volumes, as we've mentioned. We are just over halfway through the first half. So if you want to think of this whole thing as like Captain Britain breaks up into eighths, we're approaching the 4th, 8th, we're about halfway, and we are very near all of the stories that make Captain Britain such a legend, whether it's the Alan Moore run, or Jamie Delano and Alan Davis continuing the saga well after Alan Moore leaves, we have a lot of great stories coming up. I also want to note that these stories aren't going to come back up. Just like the Champions era for Angel and Iceman, these stories for Captain Britain are going to be little more than a footnote. This arc in particular, this some hundred and eighty pages, originally wasn't collected in America until the mid-2010s, so it was quite some time that all any of us ever heard was how brilliant the Otherworld saga is, how brilliant the Otherworld saga is, and how you just can't wait to get your hands on Black Knight and Captain Britain being best friends, and I was so looking forward to this when I got it, and man, this is one of those the box art does not match the contents.
1: I don't recognize anything about this arc and what you're saying people thought of it, to be honest. It was not a good introduction to Black Knight for me. It would not be a good introduction to Captain Britain for anyone. And the characters who it is a good introduction for are apparently going to disappear. So, it was very frustrating.
0: So while there are very few issues of this series that have identical creative credits, they're all roughly the same people. All of the issues we're going to be covering today, which are Hulk UK Weekly number 1 and Hulk UK Weekly 3 through 30, are written by Steve Parkhouse and edited by Des Skin. However, the material gets a little wonky. We have John Stokes and Paul Neary sharing art duties across these 29 issues, ranging from March 1979 to September of the same year. This is a lot of material, and it's a lot of people bouncing back and forth, and the first thing I want to say before we go any further is, man, does this want for color.
1: In a lot of ways, yeah. That honestly wasn't the thing that took me out of the story. The tiny panels threw me for a little while. It definitely had to make the art a lot smaller to fit a lot more on three pages, and I wouldn't have, you know... Denied getting color, obviously, as a color artist myself, I think it would have added to and enhanced the story, but I don't think the failings of this story have anything to do with it being black and white.
0: And it's so interesting that you should say that the content being scrunched down as small as it is was part of the problem. What is unusual about this series is Captain Britain went from starring in his own weekly to co-starring in his own weekly. To backup starring in his own weekly, to now being the sidekick in a backup feature in someone else's weekly magazine. This is some great humbling of what was supposed to be the biggest hero to hit the UK. In fact, Captain Britain's been missing for some year and a half since his Marvel team up appearance. It's going to be a major plot point for the series that Captain Britain's time that's been missing is an element of the story. These three page tales frequently involve an extraordinary suspension of disbelief on the part of the reader because they go so out of their way to make every issue end in some kind of almost cliffhanger that's supposed to bring you back the next week, but it's so many stops and restarts. Kevo,
1: what's the last things you remember about Captain Britain before his great big hiatus? You know honestly it's been so long since we've done a Cap B episode that it's hard. I really just remember like vestiges of the character and foes that he fought. His siblings. I remember the Captain America arc. You know he was still very much a fledgling hero when we last left him. He still was figuring out how to be Captain Britain and figuring out his powers and figuring out his place in the superhero world. So to have this enormous gap in story and then to come back with him as an amnesiac we don't find out that this stranger is captain britain until the third issue of this arc that's a really long time
0: so i guess we should start with who this is really supposed to be about this is about occasional avenger black knight now black knight is one of those avengers who i feel like got the short shake in the brian bendis years But hopefully we see a nice return to form for him. Black Knight will intersect with Captain Britain in numerous series, like New Excalibur and Captain Britain MI-13. But at this point, this is Captain Britain as Black Knight's unwitting sidekick. This arc starts with a helicopter crash, and the last time we saw Captain Britain, he had just flown to America. And I don't want to say that there is something about transit that really sets the tone for so much of what Captain Britain does, but in a lot of ways, it's true, especially because we're used to Captain Britain only being in England in the present. I don't know that I even understand where this takes place before the dimension hopping begins.
1: It was also really hard for me coming in having never really heard of or read The Black Knight before. I didn't really understand if this was a new character. You had a few people at the start of the issue saying that he is cursed or something and a bad omen so i didn't know whether to believe them or not and then frankly as the arc continues to go on he becomes less and less easy for me to root for he becomes very whiny he becomes very downtrodden he becomes very every single minor setback is the worst thing and i'm a terrible hero and it was very difficult for me to identify with this character on top of not having what little I had already gotten of Brian Braddock and Captain Britain as a character.
0: Especially because the Black Knight kind of gets off the easiest of everybody in this story. In this episode alone, Captain Britain is going to die. Almost everyone who fights with them is either kidnapped or harmed beyond belief. The only really terrible thing that's going to happen to Black Knight is his sword The Ebony Blade, which is an incredibly powerful mystical artifact, and yes, he should be broken up about it, but he, like, immediately gets Excalibur after it breaks, so I don't feel that bad for him. Old Sarah gets turned into a tree,
1: and yet she's still doing everything that she can to help them by, like, growing a five-hour energy apple and feeding it to his horse, but he breaks his sword, and he, like, gets sad and kicks dirt for a while, and then some heart in a lake tosses him a sword and all of a sudden he's like great i'm okay again i would have liked to see you you know try and overcome that defeat and be like i'm gonna be a hero anyway but no he just sort of pisses around and i kind of feel like that's reflected in the narrative as well one of the things i remarked
0: is by the seventh issue and again three page stories so by Page 21, by the end of the first issue of this series, it's so clearly not about Black Knight anymore. It becomes about The Walker versus Modred. So let's talk about Modred for a second.
1: Well, I just love all of the bastardizations of names that they're giving characters in this series to try and tie them back to Camelot lore, but not really. Because the character in this arc is definitely named Modred. And the figure from Arthurian legend is Mordred. And at first, I thought they had just been misspelling it for a few times because that's what they do. At one point, the Black Knight says that it's been a very difficult night and it spells it K-N-I-G-H-T. And that wasn't the correct usage of that. But no, it's Mordred again and again.
0: And what's really funny is that mistake is before there was copy-paste autocomplete, autocorrect sort of like i'm gonna copy and paste everything and you, you, that's that's just like a dumb mistake yeah exactly oh man so essentially the narrative here is about how black knight has to help walker help the stranger who is ultimately captain britain and the walker who is ultimately
1: named vortigan you know that good old-fashioned name vortigan and he's like a king of elves or at least the elves respect the fact that he's a king but he's like one
0: of six good guy walkers, and then there's six bad guy walkers, and one of the bad bad guy walkers is Cormac, and it's just it's so there's so many bad guys in this, and then there's like Moondrak or something, <laughs> like Mandrak, Mandrak, Man- Mandark. Is it is it like a boy named Susan Mandark? Mandrak. Yeah. So one of the things that I have to take away from this story is the actual details of the adventure aren't as important as the bigger picture it's trying to tell. We get so many little, it's a golem, it's a dragon, it's a monster, it's a golem, it's a dragon, it's a monster. And constantly, one of our five heroes, whether it's Vortigern, the elf Moondog who enters the picture, Captain Britain, when he's not unconscious or dead, the Black Knight, whichever sword he's using, and then finally Merlin, whichever one of these heroes is there... One of them figures out a way to save the day, and then
1: they realize there was always a way to save the day all along, and then the way is taken from them, but then they find a way to do it again. Camelot was inside us all along or something, and you know, some of these villains are like kind of cool at times. The giant rock monster is really actually like horrifying looking. If I'd read that as a kid, that probably would have given me nightmares. It looks so creepy. Some of it's silly, like there's a trap door from hell, basically, that all these trolls are climbing out of at one point. At a certain point, it just gets to be too much. It's too many things all in a row. And I understand that they are doing serialized storytelling in short form, so you don't have a lot of room for setup, nor do you have a lot of room to set up a cliffhanger, which you need to do in this serialized storytelling format. But, I don't know, it it didn't work. What they tried didn't work. And it's especially because I feel like they wasted a lot of
0: pages. The first page of the third issue summarizes the previous six pages. There's only been six pages. Why are you summarizing them on the 7th? I understand
1: that this was a weekly title, but you don't have the space. I did like a lot of interesting concepts that they introduced here in terms of the magic and the mythos of the universe. A lot of like the spell work and circle of power and all the things that we see Merlin do toward the end of the arc. There is a lot of really cool stuff here. I don't know how much of it is eventually going to carry over to the rest of Marvel 616. It's difficult because, as we're going to find out in our next episode,
0: they begin adjusting Captain Britain's backstory at an alarming rate. We're going to get a refresher, eventually, on Captain Britain and the Black Knight in this series from issues 31 to 41, and they are such a weird cut down of these people's backstories, it's unbelievable
1: that we're supposed to believe these are the same characters. And you can probably tell from the previous episodes of Captain Britain that we're not exactly unhappy with the idea of making some adjustments on the original canon. Comics are a very fluid medium, especially in this era where it was harder to collect and catalog information that's written, and it was harder to keep track of writers who were doing all sorts of different things. Plus, you know, we're entering the 80s, so everyone was on coke and no one knew what they were doing. No one knew what they were doing. Absolutely
0: no one. The Robert Overstreet Comics Guide could only take you so far. The other thing that's really interesting is Captain Britain himself, for the guy who we keep saying is like short stick, we're barely saying his name this entire episode, and he does actually manage to find himself on four covers. He finds himself on the covers to issues 20, 22, 27, and 54. But more than anything I find interesting, Captain Britain
1: actually gets one of these three pages to himself with his own little title bar. And good for him. Why not? I got really used to seeing the header at the top of these issues being on a mysterious quest in Cornwall, it's Merlin's Champion, and now I need that on my tombstone. It's really funny because,
0: yeah, he is Merlin's Champion, Black Knight, but if you take a look at the Captain Britain one, it says, Black Knight's Companion. What a way to be like the guy that sits in the back seat with the map.
1: Even when his name is on the issue as the title, he is still referred to as Black Knight's Companion, not Champion. Or, like, fellow champion. But, like, no, he's just walking along with Black Knight. Because Black Knight is here to pick him up from football practice. There is still some good for Brian in this arc. One of the more interesting
0: things is Brian gets a new staff. In the 27th story of this weekly serial, Merlin's like, Ah, I'm gonna recharge you, Cap. And you're gonna be real bitching again. I feel like Captain Britain is constantly getting reinvigorated.
1: Like, he is the only superhero I know who constantly needs AAA to come give him a jump start. I'm fine with that, because Brian does still need a lot of a kick in the ass when it comes to this arc. At one point, he's even quoted as saying when they're explaining all this stuff to him, I've heard enough. What does all this have to do with me? Why should I risk my neck for a collection of freaks who belong in a nightmare? That's how he refers to these people who are continually trying to save his life. Wow. Wow, Brian. Wow. And another problem I find is I don't really have a strong sense of the time here. I don't know how long this adventure has been going on. At times, I feel like it all has to be one night, basically. There's too many things happening on top of each other that there can't be that much of a space for time to have passed. At most, I would say it's been a few days, but they refer to it as having been weeks. I don't think that's possible. And if it is, we don't get any kind of
0: character development in that time. I'm walking away from the first half of the Otherworld saga feeling a little bit like this was not the story for Captain Britain. Captain Britain disappeared for a year and a half, and this was a great way to bring him back. But the first thing I noticed is there's no Courtney Ross, there's no Jocko Tanner, and there's no Di Thomas. Where are all of the characters that populated Captain Britain's narrative? Like Kevo
1: said, where are his siblings? And then they try to... Force an unnatural bond between these characters to give us emotional payoff for significant incidents like Captain Britain being killed. And we have the Black Knight like sobbing about it and saying he was my brother. You barely knew him, even if it's been weeks. You haven't really done anything significant enough with him except try and get him to Otherworld as he whines like a little baby the entire time. So for you to be like, he was my brother, he's got a real brother and a sister and he's even got like a bully who would probably care more if he died than this stranger.
0: Well, because I mean, who would he blame if our precious, precious
1: Cap died? He would have nobody to say is responsible for every bad thing that happens to Courtney. And you know, it's funny, I almost forgot about some of the Captain Britain side characters as we were going through this when you reminded me of Jacko Tanner. I can't believe I didn't assume that it was going to turn out that Jacko Tanner came in and saved them and brought them to Otherworld the entire time with the way that character had been going. I agree. They were constantly finding ways to inject Jocko and die into
0: situations that they really didn't belong. And I don't mean that like, so over the they didn't belong there. But there does come a point where... I just don't know what I'm supposed to do with these characters constantly being in the way. I'm also incredibly fascinated by Modred's defeat
1: at the end of this arc. I actually thought it was really cool. A lot of people call into question when someone who is amped up to be incredibly powerful is taken down too easily. And I like that Merlin is even like, no, I know I couldn't kill him, he's more powerful than me, but I can trap him, and that's good enough for now. Essentially, this is the end of Modred in this arc. He will
0: pop up a few more times in a few more issues, but that's why this actually makes a really great breaking point in the story. Because this is where it becomes a little bit more about Camelot and Otherworld than it is about our heroes on their adventure. A lot of threads have been set up, whether it's Walker needing to make a new magic staff, or it's the ebony blade is shattered, or it's the retrieval of Excalibur, the hunt for Otherworld, the secret trapped in Captain Britain's mind, where Captain Britain has been for the year and a half that he's been missing. Who's sending Mordred? There are so many, sorry, Modred. There are so many questions, and I don't feel like we're gearing toward answers, I just feel like we're gearing toward more three-page cliffhangers.
1: Yeah, I do get that. And it's really frustrating to know that the next arc of these stories are just Captain Britain backstory filler. I can see why the printed edition of these issues has them out of order. Instead of having the Captain Britain backstory in sequence, they put it back toward the end of the book. But imagine having to read that in the middle. And imagine especially if you were already a Captain Britain fan, so you knew that. You just sat through an extensive arc of Captain Britain being a side character who's not even acting like himself, and then you still have to read all of his backstory again before you can get to new material. And it's all
0: wrong, and it's all weird, and I can't wait to talk about it. Kevo, it's been so long for us. It's been roughly six months for us since we saw Captain Britain, and in real time, it was three times as long. We waited a really long time to have an arc that seems to really disappoint us for Captain Britain, even if we like things about it. What are your big takeaways from
1: this arc? Well, it definitely seems to be pointing the character of Captain Britain back toward a mystic direction again, which is really nice. He had sort of just been a run-of-the-mill superhero for a while, facing the sort of things that any hero could come up against, robot falcons, like... Sure, it's a little specific, but it's also generic at the same time. Now we're starting to get into more like eldritch magic. We're seeing Merlin again, which is nice because we haven't really focused a lot on that character. There was an arc where he tested Captain Britain for no reason except to see if he deserved a new stick. But other than that, I don't recall really seeing him much apart from the opening arc. So it's nice to see his influence back on the character and the world again. And it's really cool to see Captain Britain entering new worlds himself
0: i've worked so hard to keep so many spoilers from you and it's really great to hear the things that you're touching on are the only things that are going to become thematic going forward where we might not see word for word the things you just said you like again but we're going to see elements of them and it's an exciting time even if this story isn't doing it for us it's moving captain britain in the right trajectory to turn him into the hero we all know he's going to become Here at X's for Podcasts, sometimes it just takes a little while for everything to fall into place the way it's supposed to. Like I've mentioned with some of these read lists, it can be difficult figuring out exactly how to make all of the pieces line up in a way that tells one story. The same thing can be said of the hosts. While everybody has something amazing to say, it can occasionally be tricky to find the right voice for the right title. When I first started working with Warpath Dylan, I knew that I wanted him on the show, but it was hard to figure out exactly where to put his incredible depth of knowledge. Originally, before he was going to take Kyle's slot in Dazzler and The New Defenders so that Kyle could help me launch Thor, Dylan was going to be giving new title recommendations at your local comic shop. While he's moving over to anchor Dazzler with Jonah and I, we still wanted to show his awesome audition for this segment. Enjoy.
2: Hey everyone, this is Dylan, also known as Warpath Dylan on the interwebs, and I am here to give you a recommendation on something I think you should go pick up at your local comic shops today. But first, this is my first appearance on X's for Podcast, so it's only fitting that I give you an origin story about who I am. Like I said, my name is Dylan, I am a huge X-Men fan, and have been since really since I could read. I run a Facebook group that is called House of X and I am a person that tends to love a lot of B and C list heroes like Warpath, Shatterstar, and Monet. Comics, especially the X-Men, have been such an influential and just plain amazing escape from reality in my life. I don't know where I would be without them. A quick story about my nerdy self. When I was younger, I couldn't learn to tie my shoes for the life of me. Everyone, parents, teachers, anyone tried to get me to learn how to do it and I just could not catch on. Until one day my older brother sat me down and told me that he was going to help me. Um, He then told me that one shoelace was rogue and that the other shoelace was X-Men villain Sauron and he showed me how they were going to be fighting, and she would fly around and swoop here and there, and that's finally how I learned to tie my shoes. I know it's a goofy story, but it's just one more thing in my life that X-Men was a huge part of that got me where I am today. Now that I've shared a little bit about myself, let's get back to the show. A current run that just ended that I highly recommend is a five-part miniseries starring the Mojo world gladiator swordsman from x-force and polyamorous bisexual from x-factor investigations shatterstar in this miniseries, we find shatterstar is living a bit of a retired life from being a superhero and and he is now a landlord of an apartment complex that is a safe haven for beings that are just like himself individuals escaping different worlds and timelines and persecutions on all of those and they are now hiding out here on our world. Much like anything from X-Men's past, it comes back to haunt Shatterstar when a group of mercenaries from Mojo World are sent here to kidnap the tenants of his complex and this is all a master plan to lure Shatterstar back to Mojo World. This miniseries is a great read because during Shatterstar's mission to save his tenants we get flashbacks of Shatterstar's past and up until this point of about 30 years of being in X-Men comics we don't know that much about Shatterstar's time on Mojo World. We get to learn some of the most valuable lessons and relationships that led him to be the man we met when he made his first appearance in New Mutants issue 99 back in 1991. This book is a great adrenaline-filled fun book written by tim seeley and i truly believe any shatterstar fan new and old will love the detailed characterization and just plain good humor that he puts throughout the series the book also includes appearances by shatterstar's former x-force and x-factor teammate and current on again off again on again boyfriend richter Again, I encourage all of you to head out to your local comic shops and get this five-part miniseries. Thanks everyone for listening to my recommendation, and don't forget you can catch me at House of X over on Facebook. It's a group, or you can follow me at Warpath underscore Dylan on Instagram.
0: It is finally good to be back to Marvel UK. It's been a while, Kevo. And, you know, we're married and we do everything together and we have a number of other shows here. So it's not like
1: we haven't had a chance to
0: talk, but it's nice to talk Captain Britain again.
1: Yeah, and it's nice to be starting to move back in a direction toward the good Captain Britain. I know that he's a character who means so much to you, and so I've been looking forward to getting to know the character for a really long time, and I'm really excited to see the sort of stories that influenced you as a writer.
0: Well, Captain Britain has his origin, along with some backstory on the Black Knight in our next Captain Britain episode, the Captain Britain team will be appearing in the Marvel Superheroes Contest of Champions three-part episode, which did feature Captain Britain, so keep an eye out for that in the uncanny section of X's for Podcast.
1: Exciting. And then we're going to be closing
0: out this era of Captain Britain before we kick things off with the Alan Moore, Alan Davis era that establishes the Marvel multiverse. This is not going to be one to be missed. So you want to make sure that you keep abreast of Captain Britain.
1: You know I love me a multiverse. Until we start to
0: mention Hopping, where can everybody find you here in 616?
1: Well, you can find me over on our other show, HTML, or Husbands Talking, more or less. As we discussed earlier in the episode, we covered the Marvel Cinematic Universe from start to finish over the course of about four or five months, and we are currently covering the adaptations of The Phoenix, and we have plenty more exciting things in mind for after that. We're just going to keep on going. You can also find me on our Facebook page for that show, at Official HTML, where I share a lot of really cool entertainment news and awesome, exciting memes and stuff, you know, just the kind of stuff that we love to give you a sense of who we are as creators, as podcasters, all that great stuff. You can find me on my own social media, at KevoRealy, on Instagram and Twitter, K-E-V-O-R-E-A-L-L-Y, and you can find all of the really awesome work that we have been doing at Kid Riot Comics, on Facebook or on our website, kidridecomics.com. Thanks so much, Kevo. You can also check me out here on Now and
0: Again on the Cage Club Network with my childhood best friend, Chris, where we talk about the face of pop music as it changes in accordance with the Now That's What I Call Music series. Currently, we're doing a deep dive on the Carly Rae Jepsen discography. Hope you're all loving the hell out of Dedicated. Not to mention, this amazing network, which you can check out our Patreon and contribute and keep the place running better than ever, just celebrated its thousandth episode and kevo jonah and myself were all lucky enough to be part of that at camp cage club this year for the team building team building retreat where the whole team got together and everybody talked a little bit about something and we recorded some live great material and we can't wait for that all to get out to you guys you can also check me out on social media at nico action that's n-i-c-o-a-c-t-i-o-n all right until we fly back over to the uk and find out exactly what the fucking other world is we will see you guys in the funny pages pip pip cheerio I kept expecting you to call, but that's not the show.